Church of Faith Movers. And I tell you, one of the, uh, I told them, one of the best things about being over there was just being able to sit in church and hear some good music, you know? <laughs> okay, just kidding. Um, no, and, and, and secondly, uh, one of the things that I most enjoy about being here is, um, is sitting in front of the A-Bears, you know, and just hearing some, some great, I mean, some moving singing. And I love hearing uh, you girls right back behind me, and then Jay making a joyful noise, you know. And so uh, I really do, you know, as much as I joke about it. I mean, it gets me excited to come up and preach when I'm singing, and then when I miss the note and I have to stop because I don't know where we are, and then I can hear everybody back behind me. I love that. I love that. So um, did you guys, have you guys seen, do you guys remember this? Anybody remember this, this play? Anybody remember this play? You guys make me sad, okay? Um, Michael Strahan uh, is on the verge, 2002. He's on the verge of the single-season sack record, and it's like get week 16, week 17 is the last week of the season. It's towards the end of the game. He needs one sack to break the record. He comes around the edge, and it looks like they just kind of let him go. Comes around the edge, uh, shoots the gap. Shoots the gap and then and then comes back around and then Brett Favre's standing there and he just kind of falls down, and so the uh, and so if you could hear the the commentator, all he's saying is, Brett Favre just lays down. This is terrible, you know. And they're they're saying and then the word ever since then is that Brett Favre just let him have the sack. Man. I got a new device. Here we go. So the word is that Brett Favre just kind of let him have the sack, and he laid down, and and that's how it went down. If uh, just the other day, so that that would have been 14 years ago, just the other day, uh, somebody was asking Michael Strahan about this, and and you can hear he, there's still some chippiness in his voice when he responds to people that say you only have the record because Brett Favre laid down for you, and you can tell he's still pretty mad that people are asking him about it. Why would a Hall of Famer, so now he's been inducted in the Hall of Fame, and, and a sack leader, also a popular daytime TV host, maybe you guys didn't know that he also played football, um, that guy, why would that guy uh, still be, after all these years, holding a grudge against all the naysayers, you know, about whether or not he holds the sack record? But it's pretty clear when you hear it that he does. Any of you guys hold grudges like that? Uh, I hold uh, a few grudges. Uh, I had a, uh, a, a girlfriend when I was in junior high that dumped me because this one popular guy she thought liked her. It's not that he said that he liked her. He just uh, talked to her in the hallway, and that gave her hope, and so she dumped me, and so that kind of made me upset. And so I hold a grudge against her. Um, there was another girlfriend. This is the source of most of my grudges. Uh, there was another girlfriend a few years later that... Um, she, she was my girlfriend. I left, uh, I was, we did something. I left her house. And then the same guy calls her. They go riding around, you know, who knows what else. And, uh, and so, and then that was the end of that. And so uh, I hold a grudge against her still. And, uh, and this guy, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to tell you a little secret that um, I don't really like to admit. But when I, if I go back home or I talk to somebody home. Uh, I love to hear that they're not really doing anything with their lives. Can I just be honest? Look, look, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I'm just being honest with you, you know. And sometimes it's like a little secret. Yes, that's really sad. I hate to hear that. Um, 
Don't tell me you're not like that, right? And even though I'm like, you should have stuck with me because I'm a teacher, you know, and I've really got it all together. But don't tell me you don't do that, right? You see your, your ex, and maybe it was a long time ago, or you just see somebody that did you wrong, and they're just crushing it at life, and everything's going great for them, and you're just kind of like, man, I, nobody else does that? Yeah, come on, you do that. Um, if you see them struggling, not like poor house struggling, you know what I mean? But they're not doing quite as good as you. That kind of makes you feel a little bit good about where you are. Uh, I hold some grudges that I'm not super proud of that are pretty petty. I'm sure you probably do too. In June of 2012, there was this guy named Carl Erickson, 73-year-old man from South Dakota. This was real big in the news back when it happened in 2012. He was life in prison after admitting to the murder of a former high school classmate whom he hadn't seen in 55 years. Uh, everybody's shocked to hear that this guy, he was an insurance salesman. He'd retired. He'd been married for 44 years, seemed really happy. Um, what happened was after the murder, he, he says exactly what happened. He says for over 50 years, he had held a grudge against this guy. Um, this guy did something to him when he was in high school. He said he was mad because the guy once pulled a jock strap over his head during a high school locker room prank. And, uh, and then this guy was also a star athlete on the track team. Erickson, the guy who committed the murder, was a sports manager. Um, and according to his confession, he just, ever since that incident, he had held a grudge all these years. The guy that did that to him went on to be pretty successful. He played college football. He uh, got his degree from wherever he went to school. And he came back and he coached football at the local high school and was a really successful high school football coach. And all these years, Erickson just looked at him and continued to harbor this grudge. Harbor this grudge. So after 50 years, he just had enough. And he just went over to his house, rang the doorbell, and killed him. 50 years. Pretty deep-held grudge. Grudges come in all different shapes and sizes, and some of them are bigger, and some of them are smaller, and some of them lead us to do worse things, and some of them aren't quite so bad. But here's what the Bible tells us about grudges. It says very plain and very clear that grudges destroy people. It says more specifically that grudges are destructive to the soul. And grudges tend to destroy uh, the person on the receiving end of the grudge and also tends to destroy the person holding the grudge. And the devil's most successful tool for tearing apart relationships and for causing resentment and stealing joy is often you holding a grudge. And I would say to you that I believe, and we're going to walk through it today, that life is just a little too short to hold a grudge. Here's the reason that I think that grudges fester so much. I think they fester so much because oftentimes we don't even really know that we have one. We just kind of feel little bit of resentment towards somebody, but we feel like it's pretty justified, and we don't know that we're getting in on the grudge side. So here I think are some pretty good indicators. If you can say yes to some of these things, you're probably holding a grudge towards someone, okay? Um, if somebody that, if somebody, uh, if there's somebody in your brain, you can, you can kind of think of them, and they did something to you a long time ago, and every time you think of them, you, you just kind of go, man, what a jerk. Is there somebody from way back who did something for you, or when you see them, or when they cross their cross your mind, you're like, man, I can't stand. Then you're probably holding a grudge. No matter what they did to you, and no matter how bad it was, you're probably holding a grudge. Is there somebody that did something to you, and even though you would say, I forgive them, you hope to never see them again? 
that's the case, you probably hold a grudge. Is there someone who, like I said before, when bad things happen to them, and I don't mean terrible things like they get cancer, you know, horrible people here, but when bad things happen to them, marginally bad, uh, like you see them after years and they don't look as good as they used to, maybe they look terrible now, or they used to have a great job and make great money, and then you and then then they're checking you out, you know, at the gas station. You realize they lost the good job and things aren't going well for them, and you just kind of very silently are like, "Yes." Right? Is there somebody like that that you know? Then you probably hold a grudge. And here's the big question, especially when the people that unfortunately that I think that I probably hold a little bit of a grudge against that I'd like to move past. The big question is, especially people that have done something really wrong to you and people that really kind of cross the line, is is there a way to say, I'm done with that? And is there a way to really genuinely move past holding grudges towards people? Is there a way to those very same people that you can't stand the sight of, is there a way to legitimately be happy for them when something happens for them that's good? I've said this if you can be happy for someone else, you can be happy a lot more often. Because there is way more often something good happening for someone else than there is something good happening for you. Is there a way that we can do that? I think there is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Ephesians 4, 25. It gives us this great rubric for, for ridding our lives of grudges. Yet to forgive me, there's no scripture on the screen today because uh, Tiffany is at a Google Sheets conference. You know, save some of the fun for the rest of us, right? But she's at a Google Sheets conference, and so when she's not here, I don't get everything done, you know, and so it's not up there. So, um, But I'm going to read it, and, and maybe you got a Bible, but it's not up there. Uh, let me tell you what I love as you kind of flip there. i tell you what I love about this book of Ephesians. Uh, the city of Ephesus was like this educational center and kind of like this big political center. It was all these kind of things. Uh, Ephesus also had the Temple of Artemis. Maybe you've heard of that. This temple was like one of the one of the uh, seven ancient wonders of the world. It was a huge, big thing, and all that stuff was kind of in this city. And so, when you think about Ephesus, uh, sort of in relation to our city, Ephesus uh, was was a, a cultural leader, was an educational leader. And you think about New Orleans uh, in relation to the rest of our state, we're kind of that. When you think about New Orleans, really in relation to the rest of the world, we're definitely a party city, and Ephesus was absolutely a party city and sort of a leader in their region of throwing huge parties because they had this huge temple. And so when I read the things that they that Paul says to the church at Ephesus, it reminds me a lot of things he may say to the church here. So here's what he says in Ephesians 4.25. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. And then this is what he says. This, catch this verse right here. Verse 26. He says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Be angry and do not, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let me pray over that. God, I pray that, that your word would just not raise right over our heads or not come in one ear but would settle in our hearts and change the way that we live. Amen. So uh, grudges are pretty easy to hold. I thought Justin said it so well last, last week. You remember he said we live in this dirt suit, right? And we live in this dirt suit. So the nature of living in this dirt suit that we live in is that it is our nature to hold grudges. It is way more easy to be mad and move on than it is to stop 
and seek forgiveness. Am I right? Because by our very nature, it's easy to hang on to those things. And in fighting that part of our nature, what Paul says that I think we can really stick to, if you want to move past holding some of these grudges and move past the way you feel about some people, here's what he says. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why does it matter to Michael Strahan's 16, I'm not good at math, so many years later, right, that a few people that aren't that significant doubt the fact that he, he just broke this record and it is absolutely his. Why did Carl Erickson, 50-plus years later, why was he still mad and still holding a grudge after all those years? I would say that's because grudges only grow with time. And as we let our anger sit and let our anger fester, it only gets worse. And what Scripture says is if you've got to be angry, and, and there is a good angry and a bad angry. I mean, there's a good time to be angry, and it's not to say that that's always bad. But even when there's a righteous anger, as much as it is in your control, seek forgiveness. And if you can't get forgiveness, sometimes some of the people that I'm mad at, you know, when I remember when my dad died, I had some beef with him, and then when he died, it didn't matter to me quite so much. I'm getting signals back here on what you're saying. Hey, I totally blow any sense of trying to be discreet or anything. Uh, but anyway, um, as much as it is, let me find my hand. As much as it is, as you can control things. You know, seek forgiveness. When my dad died, I had all this beef with him, you know, and, and then it, and then I had to process that when he died because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't talk to him about it. I just always assumed that in some kind of way we would make up. Um, but I had to process through all that, so he wasn't there. And sometimes someone is not readily available for you to for you to process everything you need to process when you seek forgiveness. But as much as it is in your control before the sun goes down, before years go by, before somebody passes, right, before somebody dies, or you can't get in touch with them anymore, seek before the sun goes down, seek some sense of forgiveness. And Paul says this keeps us from harboring these grudges. Here's what he says. Um, this, this person kind of interprets this verse in a different way, this theologian. And he says, let the day of your anger be the day of your reconciliation. Let the day of your anger be the day of your reconciliation. And in doing so, you will keep yourself from holding grudges. And so even if it's righteous anger, move on before the day ends. Because here's the truth about the devil. The devil seeks a gap in your life. And he'd love some gap to get in and cause all kinds of destruction. And a grudge is the best gap that he can find. And the, and the biggest way that he wants to get in is if he can get you to harbor some bitterness towards someone else, man, that's the way he inserts himself into your life. I would venture to say that the, the beginning of most broken relationships is a person who let the sun go down on their anger or on their issue or whatever it may be over and over and over. And over and over and over, you just let the sun go down without working on whatever it may be. Oh, this is bad. Man, I'm sorry, guys. But you let the sun go down over and over and over while being angry. If you want to avoid the destruction of grudges, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, as Jesus hung on the cross a king who committed absolutely no crime who is who is standing who is 
next to two people who have absolutely committed egregious crimes. And he's looking at people down below him who are celebrating his death. And these people that are celebrating his death are people that some of them he probably healed. All of them he preached to. All of them he gave his, his everything up for. And he, and he poured himself out only for their good. And he's up here on the cross hanging like a criminal. And they're celebrating his death. And all that Jesus can find to say towards them is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And some of the very worst things, the worst grievances, the worst things that could be committed against someone, and all Jesus can say is forgive them for they don't know what they do. And I would say how on earth can, can some of the things that people have done to us, how on earth can we forgive them for that, especially when they don't care at all to be forgiven? And how and, and some of the stories that I hear about what certain people have done to other people and how on earth can those people forgive? And I would say verse 32 in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us exactly how it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. By the way, if I think of the way that I feel towards the people that I held grudges against, kind and tenderhearted don't tend to express my emotions. Uh, but he says, Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I would say that you hold the power to forgive people because you have been forgiven. And, and despite all the sin that you've committed, all the things that everyone knows about and all the things that no one knows about and that you hope no one ever finds out, whether because of shame or whether just because of embarrassment, all those things, in spite of all that and in spite of all the ways that you have wronged God, He absolutely chose to forgive you. And not only did He choose to forgive you and forgive me, but He chose to send His Son to die for you and for me. And in every way we did Him wrong, and in every way He chose not to hold a grudge. And in perspective of that kind of thing... The grudges that I hold seem pretty small. And the reasons that I choose to withhold forgiveness seem pretty tiny. Uh, as you put your pen up and shift in your seat, right, and you start waking up because you can hear the tone in my voice changing and we're coming towards the end, right, as all those things process in your mind, can I ask you to consider two things? Can I ask you, number one, just to consider who on earth it is that you need to forgive? And maybe they're not seeking it and maybe they don't want it at all. And maybe you've never even spoken to them. Maybe it's somebody totally outside of the realm of your everyday life, but you just can't stand them for one reason or another. And can I ask you, think, put that person in your mind. Who do you need to forgive? And what grudge do you need to let go of? No matter what the other party does, what do you need to let go of? Because what Scripture tells us is that when believers don't forgive, what we tell everybody else is that with Jesus there is room for grudges. And with Jesus, there is room for hate. And with Jesus, there is room for prolonged anger. With Jesus, there is room for hostility. And what we tell a world who needs Jesus, we tell them that Jesus is not all that great as we continue to hold grudges. Not just what it does in that way, but the longer you hold the grudge, the more callous your heart becomes towards that person, the easier it is to hold a grudge against the next person, and the more it changes and negatively shapes your character, the longer you hold the grudge. So first think, who do you need to forgive? And who on earth, who is out there, what grudge do you have that you need to let go of? But secondly, ask yourself very seriously and very honestly, 
have you sought forgiveness? Specifically, have you sought forgiveness from Christ? It's one thing to be in the church and to be a nice person and to work really hard. Man, those things are great. It is yet another and it is an ultimately important thing to say, God, I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. And, and despite all the things that I've done to you and all the things that, that I've done that were, that were so wrong and all my selfishness and all the things that no one knows about me that I know about me, in spite of all those things, God, I seek you for forgiveness and you extend it to me. Ask yourself, have you sought forgiveness from Christ? Let me pray. God, I praise you that, uh, I praise you first and foremost that you forgive us. And God, me, if, if people just knew everything about me and just so unfit of a leader and am so unqualified to, to stand here and speak, but yet you've forgiven me and, and you have empowered me to just share your truth. And so, God, I thank you for that extreme and ultimate forgiveness. And God, I pray for those of us that are in here and and maybe some that we have burned on our brain right now that are not in here that have not sought you for forgiveness and God our heart breaks for them because we know the joy that it is to follow you and to have your forgiveness and so God I pray for each and every one of them right now and God I pray so fervently that if there are people that don't know you that they would just say God I I am I seek your forgiveness and that they would know the joy that it is to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. As Robbie plays, you guys come forward for communion. Let's stand.